Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Six Sense Media. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at what you've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. Once again, that's what I aim to do as I dive deep down that rabbit hole. I just had something metaphysically thrown in my lap, this odd case of synchronicity. I want to talk about that in a second. I don't know where this show is going tonight, but it's going to be an interesting ride. I'm Dennis Nappy II. Looking forward to talking with all of you once again this week. Right now it is Friday, December 14th, 2018. The year is getting ready to draw to a close as we move into 2019. I'll tell you, the last, I guess, three hours of my evening, I've been struggling to come up with a topic on what to cover on this show uh, I was out of it. I was like half asleep on the couch. I put my kids to bed. They really, they really put me through the gamut this week. Um, I finally got them down. I said, "All right, I'm going to go down and, and do my show." I meditated, tried to get myself in the right mindset. Ended up passing out on the couch. Woke up. It was I don't know ten ten o'clock. I said, "I can do this." No idea what I wanted to cover on the show. I, I, I've been scrolling through Facebook, reading different articles. Nothing has really jumped out of me. Usually, I have an idea all week long. I can start pulling materials. I have really nothing for this show. And I said, all right, a last-ditch effort. Let me go downstairs to my office and let me grab one of my books and you know, let's do an analysis of, of one of the texts that I have or several texts that I have. I was getting ready to put all that together. So I get down here, and uh, I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Graham Hancock and his book, Supernatural. I haven't dove into that in a while. Let me give a pause on that. And here's why. Last week, we talked about the hybrids. We talked about Richard Dolan's comparison between two different researchers, one of them being, um, man, my, my head is hurting this, this evening, <clears throat> Richard Dolan and David Jacobs. Ray sent me a David Jacobs interview with Richard Dolan, a recent interview on the Richard Dolan show. And one of the things that he was talking about, there's a lot of talking points on there, one of the things he was talking about with this hybridization is the the women who are abductees who are then forced to nurse these hybrid babies. And I, I had a specific thought come to mind that I want to get into a little bit later. But I was thinking, oh, maybe I could talk about that on the show, but I really didn't think it was enough. And I didn't want to repeat last week's show. I don't want to do that. Um, but I, I can continue that evaluation analysis of it. So I have these, this in my head, and I, you know, pushed out of my head, but I was thinking about it earlier this week. I come downstairs... I pick up Graham Hancock's book, Supernatural. I haven't read this book in a couple years. and the, Actually, I never read it. I listened to the audio book, but I liked it so much. I got the hard copy, so when I want to do research and, and the show and stuff, I can actually pull the, the text from it. It's a 418-page book. Uh, you know, and that's not including uh, you know citations and things of that nature. Anyway, I pick up the book. I open up to a random page and I say, okay, wherever I open up to, let my intuition guide me and we'll see where that takes me and we'll do the show on that. It's kind of throwing a dart, right? So I, I open up to page 163 and here's the paragraph staring me in the face on page 163. 
Summarizing the reports of 60 abductees, David Jacobs gives a helpful moment-by-moment account of a typical baby presentation and nursing sequence where the human involved is not the hybrid's mother. I about fell out of my chair when I read that, and I, and I feel there's probably a reason why I need to go with this thought. And again, I'm trying to share these experiences that I have with all of you. I don't know, so you, maybe they make the paranormal normal a super... Something happened here. I don't understand it. Uh, I don't know what it was. Was this... Uh, uh, look, I listened to this guy. I listened to David Jacobs talk to Richard Dolan this week on this podcast. And then I pick up a, a book that's... Let me look at the actual page count here. It's a thick book. It is including the index and everything, 468. The last page in here is 468. So I had a 1 and 468 ch- chance. Am I saying that right? Uh, a 1 and 468 chance of turning to that page. And I did. That is an odd coincidence there, my friends. And that tells me I need to dive into this hybrid thing a little bit more um i I really didn't do any prep for it so i hope i don't have a lot of a lot of awkward pauses in this i'm just going to kind of go with it um have you ever had those synchronicities i think they're significant you know and and there's a story i may have told it before i'm going to share it again with all of you you know years ago i i got this when i see a voice in my head it's just that intuitive thought that i i think comes from somewhere separate from myself whatever that may be. And I I got this voice in my head and it was, there are no coincidences. Basically saying everything's part of a plan. Everything happens for a reason. There, you know, synchronicity is significant. Pay attention to it. And that whole thing. So I was like, all right, yeah, I get the message, whatever. And it was just something cool for me to say. And uh, I went up to my brother's about a week later. He he was, you know, in Westchester back in the, in the college, when he was living in the college town. And we decided to go out. So we, we, us and a couple friends, we went out uh, to the local bar. We had a few drinks. My brother decided he's going to go home early. So he leaves the bar, and I leave with some friends, and I go the opposite direction. I was going to crash at a friend's place the opposite side of town. As I'm walking home, as I'm walking to my friend's apartment, I look down on the ground, and I see a, a CD laying on the ground. And I pick, pick it up. I was like, oh, actually, it was a DVD. So oh, this looks interesting. I, I wonder what it is. Let's go home and, and pop it in and, and you know see whatever. So we're like, all right, yeah, you know we're drunk and we walk to the, we walk back to my friend's apartment. We put the DVD in, and the DVD is all you know UFO presence on Earth and you know correlations to ancient history and religion, like all this stuff I talk about on this show. So I'm freaking out. I'm going, oh my gosh, yeah, there's no coincidences, right? And people are looking. Like, my friends are like, dude, we know you're a little nuts, dude, but why are you so excited over this DVD? I'm going, what are the chances of me finding this DVD? So we watch it, you know, whatever, and I, I fall asleep on the couch. Next morning, I, I wake up, and I go back to my brother's apartment where my car is parked. I walk in there. It's like 6 o'clock in the morning. I walk in there to grab something to drink out of his fridge, and I look at my brother's counter, and sitting on his counter is the same exact DVD that he found on his way home in the opposite direction of town that evening. Now, was somebody messing with just him and me? I mean, what are the chances that two brothers that are both into this subject of stuff will find those two DVDs? It's as if they were meant for us to find. And, I, and I, what I took from that, I got to see if I can find that DVD, actually. But what I took from that, the message was, 
pay attention to the coincidences. There are no coincidences. They're significant. So tonight, I'm tell you, like I was dizzy. I was so excited and and just taken aback by. I was, I mean, it was like just four or five days ago. I was listening, listening to this discussion with David Jacobs talking about hybrids, and I have these thoughts in my head that I'm trying not to jump into it too much yet. Um, you know what my opinion on this conversation was with David Jacobs, but he was talking about hybrids and them being presented to the abductee women, the mothers, and I'm going, wow, that's interesting. I, I want to look into this a little bit more, and I pick up this Graham Hancock book, Supernatural Meetings with the Ancient Teachers of Mankind. And, and what do I find? The page where I forgot Jacobs was in this book. Really had no idea. I, anyway, I, I'm getting a little too excited here. It's significant. Maybe this is for one of you out there who needs to hear this message, who needs to hear whatever we're going to get into on this show tonight. But I think it's important. And all right, I think I've been on my soapbox long enough here. I got a couple stories in the news. I have, uh, you know what? Quick Reiki story here. It's, it's not a big one, but uh, two nights this week, tonight being one of them, and uh, about three nights ago, my, my youngest uh, the other night was a, an absolute wreck. I, I just could not get her to go to bed. I mean, usually I'll put her down, like I sing to her, read stories. You know, we watch, she's in a baby shark, so we got to watch baby shark before she goes to bed. Uh, if you don't know it, don't watch it. It'll be stuck in your head for the rest of your life. She'll cry for maybe five minutes and then pass out. Well, this night, two hours it's going on and, and like just really upset. So I'm like, all right, something's wrong. So I keep going in and out. Finally, I go in the last time and she's like just terrible sobs. Like can't catch her breath. So I pick her up. I'm exhausted. I'm mad. And I'm just rocking her. And not, and she's squirming and like just nothing's calming her down. So I say, all right, I, I put her down and I, I start giving her Reiki. And within the first three positions... She's sound asleep. And I went through the whole, you know, process that, you know, give her a full Reiki treatment. And she she slept, you know, the whole night. I mean, she whimpered like two or three times throughout the night, but she, she didn't wake up till morning. Um, I think that just speaks to the power of, of Reiki to, to help calm people and, and, and work on some things, uh, that energy work. And tonight, my son, same thing. It's Christmas time. He's He gets really wound up and then he gets overtired and he becomes almost delirious he's just so overstimulated and you can't calm him down he's crying one minute then he's yelling then he's laughing and he's running and jumping and he's throwing temper tantrums like he's a wreck complete mess and i finally got him i said look lay down daddy's gonna give you a little bit of reiki took him a little bit longer because he was so wound up but again w- w- after about two hours of trying to calm this kid down within i'd say it took about 15 minutes He's sound asleep. So I really, the more I use it, the more I work with the Reiki energy, the more results that I'm seeing with it. And this is something that we can all use. And I think, you know, instead of instead of popping that pill, you know, there's other things I think we can do. Not saying we don't need pills sometimes, but there's other things we can do. And, and anybody can learn Reiki is, you know, one of the things that I'm learning. So that's my little paranormal experiences this week to share with you uh so here let's let's move into the news here this is an interesting story from one of my favorite websites unknowncountry.com it's titled new ai masters three classic board games by teaching itself how to play 
artificial intelligence developer DeepMind, and I've covered them before, uh, has produced an AI program that can best any human and any game-playing program, for that matter, in a number of classic board games. This new AI called called AlphaZero is based on an earlier program called AlphaGo, the AI that defeated Go champion Lee Sendol in 2016, but is now proficient in the game of chess, Go, and Shogi. But unlike the Go-dominating predecessor, of which required extensive programming to achieve its success, AlphaZero wasn't programmed in its mastery of the three classic games. Instead, it taught itself. All right, so I'm going to share this article. You can read the rest of it. I don't want to steal all of their their thunder. But these machines are teaching themselves. Now, I'm going to get on a caveat here. Uh, I saw this on an Instagram feed. I, I looked it up. I found the original discussion with Linda Moulton Howe. I can't prove if Linda's story is true. We know the credibility of Linda Moulton Howe. She's a credible researcher. Now, the credibility of her source in the story I'm about to share from what I gather, it's unverified. So it could be complete BS. Let me say that right off the bat. But there's a story from August of 2017 that's floating around the internet where her confidential source was a former Marine and still working in, I guess, the Black Ops realm, claimed that four AI robots in South Korea that were being weaponized um, killed 29 people, 29 scientists. And what Linda's explaining is that the scientists started just dismantling these robots as they were getting their hands on them. They they broke down, I think, three of them. And this fourth robot, Hal said, connected with a satellite and downloaded information on how to repair itself to make it stronger and resistant to the, uh, I guess, the resistance and attacks of humans and, and how to select targets or something like that. Now, this sounds like something right out of science fiction. Uh, I did see a couple articles out there talking about South Korea and AI development and weaponization and stuff. So it may be a credible story. I haven't verified it yet. But if it's true, it fits the narrative. It fits the data set that we've been seeing with this development of AI out there. So uh, again, proceed with caution Don't be afraid by this information. Be empowered by it. I want to keep stressing that. Be empowered by it, um, you know, and just be mindful of how involved technology is becoming in your life at this point in time. That's all all I'm going to say in that for now because I don't want to go off that tangent because you know how I can get. All right, a friend of mine, I'm going to shift gears for a minute. A friend of mine sent me an article today, and she didn't want to put it on Facebook because I got a couple of Facebook things I want to talk about tonight. She didn't want to put it on Facebook because she, she just didn't feel like being attacked. And it has to do with vaccines and the vaccine debate. And, and what's frustrating to me is there are so many of us. Uh, sorry, I'm looking for another piece that I want to share here. There are so many of us out there who are we're not necessarily anti-vaxxers, but we're like, yo, something's not adding up here. Um, I have some questions. Can we talk about this? And right away, you're getting attacked, and you're being like, well, your kid's going to kill my kid, and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, she didn't post it up there for fear of being ridiculed by a bunch of the trolls out there. Here's the article. 
Vaccine versus disease trade-offs, cheating children's immune systems by the Children's Health Defense Team. Uh, and that's the website, childrenshealthdefense.org. Uh, I'm going to share the links to it in the show notes, but uh, let's see. I'm going to read parts of it here. None of the individuals who present vaccine uh, vaccination as an unquestioned good ever discuss the trade-offs involved in tampering with the unexquisitely sophisticated human immune system especially during a child's earliest developmental stages, nor do they acknowledge that two of vac- uh, vaccination's basic premises are patently false. One, it has become clear that the short-lived antibody production that vaccines seek to induce is nothing like the comprehensive lifelong immunity that results from a natural infection. Two, an honest look at health statistics shows that vaccines exact a high cost when they re-engineer children's immune systems rather than engineering adulthood in robust health, many children are paying the piper via some form of immune dysfunction at some point down the road. It's a very interesting article, and and please don't attack me, but I'm not smart enough in this area to even fully evaluate it. I want to leave it for you to look at, but it basically says that when we get sick, it programs our immune system the way it's intended to be programmed, and it makes us stronger. And they give cases where, uh, like measles survivor survivors or mumps survivors, have greater immunities to certain cancers because of the antibodies that are developed that they don't get in a vaccination. So there are benefits. And oh my gosh, what are you saying? You're the devil. I'm quoting this article here. They're saying there's benefits to getting sick. Now, obviously, we can argue, well, a lot of people die from getting sick too. But are we being manipulated through fear right now? Vaccinate your kids so they don't die. And oh my gosh, let's pump our kids with all these vaccinations right now. And who knows what else is in it from our trusted CDC and FDA who, you know, are turnovers for the corporate world as well. That's my side caveat. Are we being manipulated into this through the fear and then through the ridicule online when we start to say, hey, this doesn't seem right. Well, you're going to kill the kids. I mean, what a horrible thing, right? So I I wonder if there's something to this. And here's my frustration. I've got a couple points of frustration. I think I talked about this recently, but my frustration is this. Number one, you've got people in positions of like the FDA and the CDC who either worked for previously or end up going to work for pharmaceutical companies making millions of dollars. So we have pharmaceutical executives then coming into positions of government saying, yeah, this stuff is safe. How can we trust that? So for me, everything is flawed because of that. I can't trust the science coming out of there because you have a strong financial vested interest in these drugs being on the market or these vaccines being on the market. Make all the arguments you want. I don't trust these people that come from places like Merck to then go sit at the CDC or the FDA. Here's the other piece to that is there is great research out there on the benefits of diet and exercise on the immune system, on strengthening your immune system by the foods that we eat or things like meditation and energy work. And, and if look at traditional Chinese medicine, treating the energetic body, treating you know the, the meridian points, 
the energetic component. We don't talk about that where we are here in, in Western medicine. So I'm frustrated that we have this valid science out there that nobody talks about, but they say, you know what? Go to the drugstore, get your free flu shot. You didn't, and then you say, do you want a flu shot? No. And they look at you. Why aren't you getting a flu shot? You're not getting a flu shot. No, I'm not getting a flu shot. Anyway, that's my frustration with vaccines. Do you have a similar feeling? Let me know. Uh, hit me up at sixcentsmedia.net. I'd love to hear your, your stories and experiences through the contact tab there. All right, here's a positive story here. Uh, this one comes to us through collectiveevolution.com. It's an older article, but I just found it on Facebook recently, and I want to share it. Half a billion fewer animals were killed per year since 2007 because people are eating less meat. And of course, it's got this picture of this adorable little calf. And uh, I just I want to share that. It'll be in the show notes and it'll be in the secret newsletter this weekend. Um, check that out. And, and my thoughts on this, and I still eat meat, and you guys know I struggle with this. And it's something that I know, I know, my intuition's told me this for years now. I need to do better. Because I feel like a hypocrite a lot of times, especially I'm writing a book about the design of this world is to maximize and elicit suffering. I think that's part of the program. Uh, there's more to it. I'm not going to get into it right now. So my goal is to try to minimize suffering, but every time I eat, I'm contributing to the suffering of life. So that's a big frustration point for me. So I am happy to see that half a billion animals have been saved um, because less people are eating less meat. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. All right, so I want to share a, uh, a Facebook experience I had. It was about two weeks ago. I wanted to share it last week, but uh, I just didn't have an opportunity to. I normally don't jump into these discussions on Facebook. This was something that was uh, close to me in my research and my experience for on a lot of levels. I, I got a buddy, and he puts this comment up on Facebook the other day, on, on December 5th, actually, and he says, Quote, so I learned today that one of my coworkers is wearing a bright neon yellow vest under her clothes to keep out electromagnetic frequencies and take supplements she buys from Alex Jones InfoWars. Holy F. And uh, and he's kind of making fun of her. And and later comment, he says, this lady uh, at work apparently ordered an EMF blocking hat. Can't wait to see it. So I wrote a, a comment on there, not argumentative. I said, look, I said, I know it sounds weird, I said, but there's actually a lot of research out there about the influence of electromagnetism on the human body. There's a lot of things that we don't fully understand, even with Wi-Fi signals and 5G coming online. But then I shared some credible links. I said, here's a couple patents that are designed to influence your central nervous system through the electromagnetic field emitted through your body. And I referenced some heart math research. Like I gave good, credible sources to them. And uh, he comes back and he's like, Dennis, dude, she wore a bright yellow construction vest to her office job and routinely talks about the Antichrist. She's batshit nuts. Even if this is 100% accurate, her paranoia is, is rooted in legitimate mental illness. She needs help. I said, that's a shame. And I know it's definitely odd, but maybe she just needs someone to listen to her. You know, and I went on just saying, basically, so if you're admitting that she's got a, a mental health issue... Why are you making fun of her on social media? And and this is the again p- 
part of the problem with society. Somebody does something weird or different that we don't understand, they're nuts. We're going to call them nuts. And I'm tired of that, uh, you know, because even if somebody does have a mental illness, do they deserve to be made fun of or do they maybe need to be listened to? Let me tell you, I talked more people down as a police officer who said some wild things to me simply because I listened to them. Didn't matter if I thought what they were saying was crazy or not. Most of the time, I didn't think it sounded crazy. They just, people just want to be heard. And it has such a calming effect when you can listen to somebody and not listen just to, to placate them. Like to really just take a minute and just listen to somebody while they're upset. They just want to be heard. Uh, so anyway, I was frustrated that. And then about a week later, or I'm sorry, two days later, he puts another post up there. Yep, crazy coworker has her neon yellow electromagnetic frequency blocking vest on again. What planet am I on? And what I really wanted to say is, why don't you get your head out of your ass, dude? Now, I just left the argument there. I didn't, I didn't go on to it. He just wants to make fun of people. And that's what we deal with in society. And I didn't engage it further because I'm not putting energy into that anymore. I, I tried to have a friendly discussion. He's obviously not open to it. And I, I got to stick with my principles there. I'm not going to try to, quote, wake people up that don't want to be awakened. Uh, I, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's my mission or my journey. Um, but when I see stuff like that, it, uh, it definitely can frustrate me a little bit. All right. I got a couple other things to share now. Let, let's get into uh, my synchronicities, um, talking about David Jacobs' research uh, you know, with Richard Dolan and then what I just came across here. Uh, in, in Graham Hancock's book. I, so what David Jacobs is talking about, and, and I have some frustration with Jacobs, by the way. Um, he he believes that this hybridization program um, is in place to basically take over the world. And he, he's this great researcher. He, he, he's got a lot of credibility. He's got a couple books that are out there. He's a credible guy. But when you listen to his discussion, there's a few talking points where he's like, I'm not even going to consider that option. Like, he's not open to certain possibilities. He's not open to the possibility that people are having positive experiences. or, And that frustrates me. As a researcher, as a scientist, as a let me say as a truth seeker, we need to be open to all possibilities, even when it directly conflicts with what we believe. And belief can be a dangerous Word And I try to stay away from, I believe this. Based on what the data is telling me today, here's the conclusion that I can draw is the mindset I try to keep. And I do have my, quote, beliefs about our existence right now, but that belief has evolved over time. And, and maybe I have my own biases. I'm sure that I do. But I, I, I try to keep it to the point where, well, I know all this can change. He's pretty stuck on certain things that he's not willing to, to compromise on where I'm kind of shaking my head going, dude, you need to consider this and explore this possibility if you really want to get to the truth. Not taken away from some of the, the analysis he's done in the work and the data that he's gathered. I think it's great work. But one of the things he was talking about, uh, unrelated, well, I don't know if it's unrelated, but he was talking about the, the hybridization program and he says many of these women abductees report an experience where they're on the craft and these ET beings bring uh, a human hybrid, human alien hybrid baby to them. And they ask them to hold the baby. 
and they ask them to breastfeed the baby. And, and a lot of times the women say, well, I don't have any milk. And then all of a sudden they try to breastfeed the baby and they realize, well, they are lactating. And they don't understand why. And my thoughts are, number one, just being a parent and going through you know, childbirth, not personally, obviously, but you know, being there with my wife when my three kids were born, there's something called skin to skin. That was my first thought is, well, maybe it has something to do with skin to skin, connecting with the mother. Maybe there's something, a transference of something that happens there because we're all shaking our heads like, well, why are they doing this? Because I think his take was they don't, they're trying to replicate the human experience, but they don't understand really what humanity is, I, I guess, is kind of where the thread they were going on. And I'm thinking, well, maybe this is a part of their development. Maybe this has something, maybe this has a psychological and a physiological effect on this being. being. And I'm thinking energetically now. This is where, you know, kind of my research uh, leads me. Thinking about the stuff, the electromagnetic heart coming out of heart math stuff. Um, you know, that electromagnetic signal that's coming out. When you're having a baby breastfeed, where's the baby's entire body? It's by the heart of the mother, the emotional center of the mother. So maybe when they put these babies up to the woman's breast, they're getting some form of signal that's then interfering or merging or has having some kind of an impact on their own bodies. And for some reason, I think that's significant. And that's the thought that I was having in my head when I'm listening, going, yeah, well, here's the connection that I'm, that I'm making with this. So I, I, you know, I wanted to explore that further, kind of ran out of time. And like I said, then I opened this book tonight and I came across that. So let me, let me just, I'm going to read a little bit. I, I don't know how much of this I'm going to read, but here we go. So this is page 163 in Graham Hancock's Supernatural. And this is a great book. And, and I'm going to get sidetracked for a minute again. What Dolan and, and um, why do I keep forgetting this guy's name? David Jacobs we're talking about. Sorry, it's late, guys. It's uh, 1230 in the morning right now. Or 1230 in the evening. What Jacobs was saying is that he thinks that the abduction phenomenon is fairly recent. And he doesn't think that abductions of this nature were happening hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, the ancient astronauts. And that's another one of the things he said. He says, we'll never know if you know ancient astronauts is true unless the aliens come and tell us what happened and we can believe what they're saying. Well, again, by saying that, I think he's, number one, he's discounting remote viewing data. Um, and he's discounting a lot of other evidence that's out there. And if you just limit it to the last 40, 50 years, well, that that does make this a totally different animal than, well, this has been ongoing for a very long time. And we could go in both directions with that, what that means for humanity, what that means. I mean, if, I have to say, I feel like something changed probably in the 40s or 50s with, with not just with Roswell, but during that time, during World War II, something I think changed I don't think that necessarily means that a new species came to our planet. This could just be the next step 
in their plan. This could be a grand cycle that once we reach this stage of evolution, then the abduction start. You know, if we're on some kind of big farm, this could just be part of the cycle. I, I don't know. But these are things that he's not open to when he closes the door and says, nope, I don't believe it. I don't accept it. You, well, then you're closing the door to a bigger possibility. And we need to keep an open mind to that possibility. All right. With that being said, read Supernatural by Graham Hancock, and he does reference uh, researchers like Jacques Vallée, um, where they talk about the history of, and, and this, oh, this is where I wanted to go this week too, of the shamanic experience um, and, and fairy lore and the similarities it bears between alien abductions and the encounters that shamans have and the encounter. I mean, it's a powerful connections that Hancock makes in here. I know I, I've referred to this work in the past. So it's possible this has been going on for a long time. And, and again, I'm getting sidetracked, but if I don't say it now, I'm going to forget it and I'm going to be really upset because I've been thinking about this for a while too. What Dolan has been presenting is both sides of the quote argument. We've got good ET encounters. We've got bad ET encounters. They're here to help us. They're here to harm us. Now, I can easily go on a long rant putting on my counterintelligence military hat, and I can sit here and I can tell you why they are here to harm us, and I can sit here and I can tell you that the positive experiences are simply a setup that, you know, maybe these preliminary abduction experiences that we had that seemed friendly were the recon elements. They were the advanced party that came out here to make contact, to see what we were like, to see how we would react, to not give any indication that they are a threat. Like, I can go on and on and on and on and on about that. I'm not saying that's not a possibility. I, I just, I got to get that out. I got to get that off my chest. But I want to talk about the the consciousness aspect because uh, Grant Cameron, you know, has moved to to study the ET phenomenon. You have to understand consciousness. If you read Carla Turner's work, she talks about the role that consciousness and manipulation of consciousness plays in these experiences. The mere fact of doing hypnosis and regression is dealing with consciousness, which is how Jacobs gets a lot of his information. Consciousness plays a role in these encounters. And I, I, I come to almost the Westworld scenario where, you know, the robots are being manipulated by the humans. But what if we are the robots and these these aliens are the game makers that are manipulating us? I mean, that's kind of the, the metaphor of, of Westworld. What if it's something like that with the AI component? Anyway, leaning more towards the shamanic and leaning towards my personal experiences and my interviews with and discussions with people like Shelley, the astral projection, projection avatar, and, and Mark Sirto, who's been on the show, um, you know, from the Monroe Institute. Those, I'd say the modern day shamans, those of us out there who are exploring, traveling with our consciousness and encountering beings on the, quote, other side and having that shamanic experience. In my most recent interview with Shelley, we talked about this. You have these horrifying experiences, these very scary, negative experiences. But if you can pass the test, if you can brave it and face your fear, 
the experiences tend to change. Now, Whitley Strieber's experiences seem to have changed as well, if you listen to, to what he has been through. He had these horrific experiences that sound just like a shamanic experience with everything he's gone through. If you read his book, Communion, it's a terrifying book with these strange creatures that were doing things to him, taking him from his home in the night and experimenting on him and, and, and poking and prodding at him. Horrifying stuff. But his relationship with them has evolved and he's learned meditation techniques and and higher levels of consciousness and, and, and really spiritual evolution he's gone through like a shaman goes through. Bob Monroe's talked about it and, and, and other people out there have talked about it. It's a fear-based test. If you can control that emotion of fear, the experience changes and you get to the next level of that experience. And I'm wondering if this ET phenomenon is somehow something like that. And, and again, I think I've hinted at this in previous shows. I'm not saying it's true, but if, if, if this is a matrix reality, which I strongly, based on, let me quote my own, my own self, based on the data before me right now, I strongly suspect that we exist in some kind of simulated reality for many, 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 many reasons. And, and you go back and listen to my other shows, you know that. And I have all the resources to back that up. But if we are in some kind of simulation, what if these beings that are coming in the night and doing stuff to us are part of the simulation and they serve a specific function to maintain or care for or guide or restrain human consciousness? And they're supposed to be kind of behind the scenes. That's why we don't see him in waking reality. That's why it seems like, is it a dream? Is it real? Am I awake? Am I asleep? What's going on here? Because they're in that in-between realm. But what if where our current consciousness or understanding of reality exists right now keeps us in that fear-based state when we do encounter them, we are then sending the signal to them be scary, make me afraid. What if we're really in control, I guess is my point, if we really have that power to craft our reality? If these, if we have enough people out there who are saying the experiences change when they're able to control their fear, what if we really do have that? What if we're driving this experience, I guess is my entire point. All right, I need to end that thread and move on to the whole reason I was going to do this show. Talking about the uh, the babies in the skin to skin here. So I'm going to read from Han uh, from uh, Hancock's book again, Supernatural, and let's talk about this. It says the, and he's given a breakdown of it, summarizing reports of 60 abductees. David Jacobs gives a helpful moment by moment account of a typical quote baby presentation and nursing sequence, where the human involved is not the hybrid's mother. The aliens bring the abductee into the child presentation room. The abductee stands or sits down on a bench or chair. The beings who brought her in are behind her. Then a female being approaches her. She's holding a baby. The woman senses the communication. Isn't this a nice baby? Wouldn't you like to hold the baby? Hold the baby. The female being extends her arms with the baby in it towards the woman and the abductee takes it. She holds the baby to her chest with the baby's head resting on her arm or shoulder. If the abductee resists, she may be given a, quote, reason to force her to hold the baby. 
One woman was told that the baby would get sick if she did not hold it, and that it would develop a rash or some other sickness if she held the baby away from her body. Therefore, she had to hold the baby against her skin for as long as possible. The baby may be naked or may be wrapped in a, quote, blanket. It is usually very small, but it can be an older and larger baby as well. Women describe the small baby as being very light in weight with a very heavy head. The woman sits with the baby or she may get up and walk around with it. The aliens stare intently at her and the baby. The woman hears another directive. Nurse the baby. Put the baby to your breast and feed the baby. The woman says, but I do not have any milk. The response is, put the baby to your breast and nurse the baby. Saying no is futile. If she resists, the aliens will put the baby to her breast anyway. It cups his mouth to her nipple. Uh, it has a very weak suckling reflex. In many instances, the woman may be surprised to find that she is lactating and her breasts are engorged. What then happens, uh, when that happens, the baby will partially drain the breast. Often, however, nursing the baby is futile, but seems to satisfy the watchful aliens nonetheless. Now, let me come back and read that one part here. Uh, one woman was told the baby would get sick if she did not hold it, and it would develop some rash or other sickness if she held the baby away from her body. Therefore, she had to hold the baby against her skin. We, this is important. Now, this may discount that these guys are kind of behind the scenes manipulating the Matrix. Let's say this is a real, I don't even want to say alien. Maybe they're from inner Earth. I don't know where they're from. But the, another race, another species, something different from us, is bringing these babies to human women that are apparent, allegedly must have some of our DNA and having them hold them to their skin by their heart, by the heart chakra. Is there an energetic exchange here? Okay, with that being said, I pulled a, uh, a research article from sciencedirect.com. Not necessarily proving the energetic exchange, but it's talking about the, the power of skin to skin. The article is called, called The Sacred Hour, Uninterrupted Skin to Skin Contact Immediately After Birth by Raylene Phillips, M.D., with a whole bunch of other letters behind her name. This is from uh, April 1st, 2013. I'm going to read the abstract. The manner in which a new baby is welcomed into the world during the first hours after birth may have short and long-term consequences. There is good evidence that normal-term newborns who are placed skin-to-skin -skin with their mothers immediately after birth make the transition from fetal to newborn life with greater resp respiratory temperature and glucose stability and significantly less crying indicated decreased stress. Mothers who hold their newborn skin-to-skin -skin after birth have increased maternal behaviors, show more confidence in caring for their babies and breastfeeding for longer durations. Being skin-to-skin -skin with mother protects the newborn from the well-documented negative effects of separation, supports optimal brain development, and facilitates attachment, which promotes the infant's self-regulation over time. Normal babies are born with the instinctive skill and motivation to breastfeed and are able to find the breast and self-attach without assistance when skin-to-skin. -skin. When the newborn is placed skin-to-skin -skin with the mother, nine observable behaviors can be seen that lead to the first breastfeeding, usually within the first hour after birth. Hospital protocols can be modified to support uninterrupted skin-to-skin -skin contact immediately after birth for both vaginal and cesarean births. The first hour of life outside the womb is a special time when a baby meets his or her parents, for the first time, and a family is formed. This once-in-a-lifetime experience uh, and should not be interrupted unless the baby or mother is unstable and requires medical resuscitation. It is a sacred time that should be honored, cherished, and protected whenever possible. So there you have the science, um, not really explaining the why, but maybe that's the science of spirit. 
and, and I'm going to get into something uh, a little bit closer to the end of the show in a little bit, in another five minutes or so, talking about the energetic component. We have an energetic component. How else do you explain for that? Maybe there's an energetic transfer of knowledge, of information, of just straight love, things that benefit the baby that we, our science isn't measuring yet. I strongly suspect that's what's going on. That's a, that's a, that's a bonding piece there that's happening. And I think maybe these beings, these hybrids, are trying to replicate that or they are replicating that. Maybe the baby's tapping into this with the human mothers. I don't know, but... I'll have the links to this. You can read everything uh, again in the show notes. I felt that that was important to share. Uh, I want to jump back into Graham Hancock's book, The Supernatural. I've got another piece I want to share regarding this. Now, there was another spot here on page 164. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, um, but it's important. In one abduction, Karen was required to embrace a hybrid teenage female. At first, she refused, but the aliens made her wrap her arms around the girl who returned the embrace, clinging on to her for a long while. At the end, the child seemed energized. She turned to Karen and telepathically projected in her mind the words, Thank you. So there you have it. I'm not saying that's a smoking gun, but... Maybe there's an energetic exchange here. Now, the initiation, part of the beginning or the premise of, of my book, uh, I, am, I Am Human and We're Not Who We Think We Are, and even Food for the Archons, was talking about my thesis that, and I'm not saying these beings are one and the same, but maybe there's a connection. Are these energy vampires, these energy parasites, that we are a crop and they are feeding off of our energy. And I, I said our energy, uh, myself and others, the energy of fear, the energy of anxiety that's generated, that energy of loneliness, the, the, those lower level, what we call negative uh, emotions. Is that what's happening here? Now, these women aren't always afraid anymore at this point with what's going on. But is there some kind of energy being just drained from them, like in a, in a vampire type of sense? I, I don't know. But I... I, I feel that that's important to share. I hope it resonates with some of you out there. I hope it makes sense. Just the way in which this kind of fell into my lap this week. Um, I, I feel that I needed to discuss this on the air. I would love to hear your thoughts um, on it. Uh, I hope this wasn't too much of a repeat of last week's show, but I, I just it just jumped out at me, man. Isn't that weird how that stuff happens sometimes? Um, I'm sure we could think of a thousand excuses why, but Check out this book uh, by Graham Hancock. I, I know I've quoted a lot on my show. It's a game changer, man. Supernatural meetings with the ancient teachers of mankind. When I finished listening to this audio book, I, I don't understand how we can even question that this isn't happening. Because it's, in my opinion, such a well-written, well-researched book. There's another species on this planet I don't know where it's from. It's interacting with mankind. And there's a consciousness aspect to it. Altered states of consciousness. Now, are they physically here as well? I, I don't know. But there's something going on that warrants our attention. And to order to understand that, I'm going to come back to it. I've been saying it every week. We need to meditate more. We need to go within. We need to strengthen our own understanding of self of who we are and how we can interact with this world beyond the five senses. That's 
the real training. It, it's like, you know, Neo in the Matrix. You got to get ready for your training. You come out, I know Kung Fu. Learn your Kung Fu. But we need to plug into our own matrix before we get jacked into this cloud that may be coming down the pike for us. Our friends, one more source that I want to reference on this. I'm reading a book. I've been slowly reading a book by Ingo Swan. It's a great read called Psychic Sexuality. And, uh, you know, he's basically talking about the the study of energy throughout history, throughout, um, you know, modern history, different cultures, and that, you know, the reality of it, how there is an energetic component to our, our bodies. And as I was talking about synchronicities, as I was scrolling through my phone looking for different things that I wanted to, to get into on the show, uh, I found some screenshots I took um, a week ago that I think is relevant to what I was talking about with the energetic exchange with the, uh, with the babies here. So this is from a chapter called uh, The Asian Energetic Counterpart. And I, I highlighted some, and, and I jump around a bit on this. Uh, I copied a couple pages. They're not all in order, but I want to read what I have highlighted here. The Soviet energetics did have a comparable counterpart in Asia and specifically in China and a very ancient authentic counterpart at that. It is found elucidated, among other sources, as one of the doctrines of Tao, variously translated as the way or the supreme path of nature, which constitutes a philosophy that has permeated the whole structure of Chinese thought and society for over 2,500 years. As referred to earlier, a rather neat synopsis of Supreme Path is contained in Ray Tannehill's fascinating book entitled Sex in History, Revised and Updated Edition, 1992. As noted by Tannehill, within the Supreme Path of Nature, existence appeared as a dynamic, quote, energetic movement of change, a kind of space-time continuum of fluid energies in which man, beast, trees, mountains, cloud, river, and sea were all indissolubly merged. Everything's connected, right? Weaving and powering an erratic trail through all of these is the force energy known as chi, the vital essence, the breath of life, and whose path is the supreme path of nature. In the sense of this vital force energy as the fundamental essence of existence, the Chinese view qi as the primary factor of all that exists. So the primary factor of whatever and whose path is the supreme path of nature. In the sense of this vital force energy and the fundamental essence of existence, the ancient Chinese viewed qi as the primary factor of all that exists. So the primary factor of whatever exists is first energetic, and only then do the realms of the phenomenal, including those physical and mental, manifest. So think about that. He's saying everything exists as energy and then everything manifests from that. Could that be the reason why, if we are the creators, or if we have that creative force, maybe that's why these hybrid babies need to have that skin to skin of those. Maybe they're taking some of our spark. Now, when you look at some of the creation myths, they say that you know, the breath of life was breathed into man's nostrils or through, through God or through the archons, if you're looking at the Gnostic texts. Maybe that's where Chi Spirit, Holy Spirit. You know, when I when I got my Reiki attunement, I was told by my teacher that Reiki is synonymous with the Holy Spirit. I think there's something to that. I think this energy that we use, that I that I talk about with healing, is that is that powerful Holy Spirit, life force, Chi, Prana, whatever you want to call it. And maybe that's what this exchange is, 
with this skin to skin. Maybe that's the reason for it. Is that something we need to be guarding or is that something that we should be sharing to support other life? I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about this, but more research is definitely needed in that arena. All right, I'm going to go ahead and uh, end the show here. Just I'm fried, guys. I'm, I'm fried. So I hope you got something out of this show. I hope it was beneficial for you. I always walk away feeling I'm just rambling like an idiot, probably because it's you know 1 o'clock in the morning and I'm just sitting down doing my podcast. But let me know your thoughts. Please give me that feedback. It really helps me uh, you know, drive the show. Give me topic ideas moving into 2019, anything you'd like to hear or discuss, any guest ideas that you have. And again, if you have an experience, if you have an encounter, send me an email. If you want to come on the show and talk about it, I can't stress the importance of I'm hearing a few researchers making these connections again now. We need to get back to that. We need to be talking about this stuff and sharing our experiences. You can be anonymous if that makes you more comfortable. You can write it in and I can read it. Whatever we need to do, but we need to get we need to get this information out so people can start to understand. We're not alone and this is more common than we realize. If you're listening to the show, Thank you so much if, if you stuck with me for this long. Uh, I ran the numbers for uh, 2018. Over 29,000 listens this year, my friends. I want to say thank you so much for that. That's a huge deal for me. Um, I, I'm so honored to uh, continue to provide this show and this content for all of you. Please continue to listen. Comment, like, share, subscribe, you know, all that stuff that we got to say that's so annoying that everybody says, but... You know, what really helps out, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, whatever platform you're listening to, give it a rating, give it a review, something, because the more of those I get on each show, the more people will be exposed to it. And come on, let's make this show number one. I, th I think this is a great show. And those of you that are with me, I hope you feel the same way. Let's help rise through the ranks so we can start doing more uh, with this platform, all right? Check us out, SixthSenseMedia.net. Check out Ray Davis's work through SixthSenseMedia.net as well. His book, Anunnaki Awakening. Get my free ebook, I Am Human, and We Are Not Who We Think We Are at SixthSenseMedia.net slash I Am Human. We'll also be signed up to read the secret newsletter. It comes out every single week in your inbox. That's all the time I have, my friends. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep open mind. Thank you.